Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 2, verse 2, it says, By the seventh day God, Elohim, completed his work. You'll notice the word work is a couple times here, which he had done. He rested, that Shabbat, or Shabbat. He ceased on the seventh day from all his work. See the word work there, which he had done? The word work is malaka. We transliterate it into English as M-E-L-A-K-A-H. Malaka. Now, abodah is the other word in Hebrew for work, and it's kind of like a grunt labor work, like thoughtless, you know, just doing labor but malaka is the word that ties to skilled precision. It's the work of a craftsman. It's the idea of mind and action combining in work, malaka. And God had his work, and here's the pattern. God has made us in his image, and one of the things that we do as humans to give us meaning and value is we create. And the question that you have to ask yourself this morning is, what is your Malaka. What's the work that God has called you to? In what areas do you have strengths and creativity where God would say, that's what I want you to do. I want you to pursue that. You know, there's some people that we meet and we say, that person was born to be an artist. That person was born to be a musician. That person was born to be a preacher. (laughs) That person was born to be a baseball player. Whatever that case may be, there is work that God has for you. And in that work ethic and rest ethic, you will find the pace of life that you need to have. God wants you to do well. He's given you at least one spiritual gift, but maybe more. He's got a specific calling. You are his work of art. You've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. You must find your malacca, your work. And you must find your rest, all in the sight of God. All doing what God has called you to do. Put your heart and mind, let it be a labor of love that you pour out to God. We've had some people recently um, pass away in our congregation. Uh, Glenn Govednek and Joe Osborne just recently went home to be with the Lord. And even in the concept of rest, there is a rest of hope. Because even in the six-day creation and the day seven, it, it, what it gives us is a, is a picture of the millennial rest to come in Christ. And we can, even now, with losses and struggles and questions, we can have the rest of hope. You see, what we have as Christians is hope is faith looking forward. It's knowing that the story's not going to end when I take my last breath here. There's so many things that chew away at the things that are important. Go to Exodus chapter 20. So when God established this uh, pattern, Exodus is just the next book to your right. Exodus chapter 20. He wanted the children of Israel to walk in his ways and get this divine pattern. So these are the Ten Commandments. And he says in Exodus 20, verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, verse 10, Exodus 20, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. 
In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. Now turn to Deuteronomy 5, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This is another uh, record of the Ten Commandments. And there's an expanded version of Commandment 4, which I want to show you. The Sabbath day was unique to Israel. Let me tell you why. In ancient history, as I understand it, the only people that had days of leisurely rest were the wealthy. If you were a servant or you were not well-to-do, you did not get a day off. The weekend in America was unknown in the ancient world. We think, oh, you're going to have a three-day weekend now, right? Three days! Well, look, it was unknown in the ancient world. You had to be well-to-do to even get days of leisure. And this made Israel unique. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, God says something else about the Sabbath. Look at verse uh, 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh, Deuteronomy 5.14, is a day, seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant, your female servant or your ox or your donkey, they even get a day off, or any of your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you, so that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, when God tells Israel to observe the Sabbath, get this. He tells them, observe it because of the creation that I made, and I rested on day seven. So when you, when you rest, reflect on my creation. Observe the Sabbath, expanded version in Deuteronomy 5, because you were a slave in Egypt, And Pharaoh and the taskmasters made you slaves and even told you to make bricks without straw. And you never got a break. And Egypt is a type of the world and and Pharaoh is a type of Satan and the taskmaster is a type of our sin that we often bring on ourselves and we get scarred by it. And God says, I want you to remember when you Shabbat, when you kick back on the Sabbath, I want you to reflect that you were once A slave. There's the rest of creation. There's the rest of redemption. There's the rest of relationship. This is what God wants us to do. This is the pattern. This is meaning of life stuff, you guys. That's why God set it up the way he did because he knew what we needed. And he knew that we would need to go back and reflect on these uh, patterns that God has given us. Think about this. The greatest need that you have right now is not physical rest, but you need that. It's not emotional rest, but you need that. Your greatest need, according to Scripture, is spiritual rest. Anyone who is still carrying the weight of their sin on their shoulders is always going to be restless, always going to be stressed out. I was thinking of what the opposite of rest is. It's restless, or think of the word stress. Same letters, just add a couple of S's, right? (laughs) Do you know, I I was listening to somebody recently who was saying 
some incredible percentage of doctor visits that happen today are stress-related. We have all this technology at our fingertips, and yet we're stressed out. The 91 freeway the other day. Man, I was just trying to go to the... I was just trying to go uh, north. You couldn't go north. Have you ever just looked into the cars? Maybe you're going the opposite way. Everybody else is... And you look into the cars. Oh, man, it's a sad, ugly scene. People are just... People on the phone with their boss, you know. <laughs> All you got to do is put those two letters together, 9-1, and everybody knows. The 91. Stress. <laughs> and there's no, are you like me? I'm one of those creative drivers. I see traffic and I believe I can defeat it. So I try all those back roads and I end up in a worse spot. I would have been 17 cars up there and now I'm back here. I have a tea time. I got to get there. I mean, that's a personal confession. Man, we need rest, don't we? And the world is dictating to so many of us and we're teaching our kids patterns that are unhealthy. Wow. So we've got to do some intentional work. And when God wanted to speak to his children, go to Isaiah 56, he confronted them with another temptation. It's possible to honor the Sabbath, but not truly let it minister to you. And so Israel got in trouble. They said, okay, this concept of Shabbat, it's part of who we are, it's our tradition, so we'll do it. And, then, and they did it, but their heart wasn't in it. It's kind of like the modern day churchgoer who comes to church, sits here because it's their tradition, but they have no intention of letting the truth of God change their lives. Look at Isaiah 56. Um, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, preserve justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. How blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who takes hold of it, who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and keeps his hands from doing any evil. Go to Isaiah 58. God's been talking to the children of Israel about fasting, and he goes, hey, it's, it's pretty cool that you're fasting, loose paraphrase, but on the day that you fast, you're having a fist fight with your brother. Yeah, but I haven't eaten anything since yesterday. Yeah, but you're in a fist fight with your brother. Hello. You're kind of missing the idea here. And he says, look at verse 12, Isaiah 58. And those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor it desiring from, desisting from your own way, from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word, God's saying, it's mine. Then you will take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And what did Israel do? They looked at the people groups around them 
and they stopped doing it God's way. They embraced the idols of the culture. Let me ask you, how are your idols of rest doing for you? They satisfying your deepest needs? The answer is no, they just don't. In Amos chapter 8, um, if you can find the book of Amos, God bless you. <laughs> I'm going to read it to you. Here's what God challenges his people. Amos chapter 8. It's to the right. It's all the help you're going to get. <laughs> Hear this, you who trample on the needy, to do away with the humble of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath Amos 8.5, that we may open the wheat market to make the bushel smaller and the shekel bigger and to cheat with dishonest scales. So, Amos 8.6, so as to buy the helpless for money and the needy for a pair of sandals and that we may sell the refuse of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, Amos 8.7, indeed I will never forget any of their deeds. Because of this, will not the land quake and everyone who dwells in it mourn? Indeed, all of it will rise up like the Nile and it will be tossed about and subside like the Nile of Egypt. And it will come about in that day, declares the Lord God, that I shall make the sun go down at noon, make the earth dark in broad daylight. Then I shall turn your festivals into mourning and your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on everyone's loins and baldness on every head. And I will make it a time of mourning for an only son. And the end of it will be like a bitter day. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for the hearing of the words of the Lord. And people will stagger from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east, they will go to and fro and seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Context? They couldn't wait for the Sabbath to be over, so we get back to our business. Come on, let's go. I don't like long sermons. I've got, <laughs> I got people to see and business to take care of and bam, we're off to the next thing. And God says to his people, slow down. Hold on. There's something deep I'm trying to communicate to you if you will listen to me. Go back to Genesis and we'll finish it. Genesis 2.3 says, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. The word Sanctified is the word holy, kadosh. It's the first thing that he hallowed that I know of in scripture. He blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, set it apart. Because here's why he did it. Because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. The reason the day is set apart is because it is the day that God rested. And he invites his people, enter into my rest. And what did Israel do? Well, they were in the desert, and Hebrews 4 picks up this theme, and it mentions the word rest in Hebrews 3 and 4 at least 10 times. And God says of many of the children of Israel, this is very important, they did not enter my rest. And there's one reason why God says they didn't enter it, and the word is unbelief. They simply could not trust God that if they did it heaven's way, God would take care of the rest. And so they looked at the nations around them and what other people were doing, and they said, uh, I don't know, is this the best way to do things? Do you know that businesses used to be closed in America on Sunday, and now it is the exception rather than the rule? 
Chick-fil-A, people are scratching their head. Why would they ever close on Sunday? That's a big business day. They're doing pretty well. Because they found the rhythm of heaven. And some of you have heard the story of uh, Chariots of Fire, Eric Little, who would not run on the Sabbath day. We could argue about the day, but he had a higher ethic. He believed that God was more important in his life than anything else. And he set a standard and he wouldn't move from it. We have all these people running around. We can be like chickens with our head cut off, right? And you can see it in people's eyes. And we have a desperate need of rest. And Jesus says, all these people are going to and fro. He sees them as he's ministering on the planet. Maybe you can hear this in a fresh way. He sees them under the yoke of Sabbath restrictions that became ridiculous. And he, he looks at people and he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in, in, in heart, and in me you will find what? Rest for your souls. Your greatest need is rest for your soul. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we've got all these people walking around and, and look, they're trying to earn a dollar and trying to love their family. I understand it, but they're missing the most important thing that Shabbat means. Here's what Shabbat means. It is finished. God finished his creation and from the cross, John 19, 30, Jesus said, it is finished. Will you come to me? I'll give you rest. Will you enter into my rest? I'll provide everything that you need. And many did not enter in because of unbelief. The more you trust, the more you rest. And so people are struggling with deep questions of life. And look, I know that some of you have got some heavy burdens. But isn't it cool that you got a God who said, give them to me? Give them to me and I'll carry them. And he showed up in humanity in the very calendar that's been dated by his arrival. And he took upon himself my sin, my burden, my mistakes, my shame. And what he offers me, incredibly, is rest. Spiritual rest. All I've got to do is believe him and come. George Matheson was born in Glasgow in 1842. He was a pastor in Scotland in the 1800s. And he suffered from progressive blindness and became completely blind at the age of 18. The woman that he loved and hoped to marry broke off the engagement because she said she could not be happy married to a blind man. He was brokenhearted. And he took pen to paper and he said these beautiful words, O oh, love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the love I owe that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. There's a love that won't let you go. God established this pattern, six days of work and a day of rest for us. He made all of this 
because he loves you. He gave you work to do to feel creative and satisfied because he loves you. He gave parameters for a work week and rest because he loves you. And the early church picked that up and started to gather on a Sunday and they found the beauty of the rest of relationship with God. And in a famous evangelistic verse, Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. And it's been used by Billy Graham and many other famous evangelists. And I've got no problem with its usage in evangelism, but it was written to a church. And Jesus is pictured outside the door of the church knocking and said, saying, behold, I stand at your door and knock. Will you hear? If you will open up that door, I will come in and sup with you. Think of the image now. This is the image of a meal. This is the image of close fellowship in you with me. And in his presence, you'll find everything that you need. I leave you with this. In the Hebrew picture language, I've mentioned several times to you, the early way that Moses would have written was more in a picture style, almost like you'd see in uh, Chinese. And when you look at the word Sabbath in the Hebrew picture language, get this, it means in the ancient symbols, return to the covenant. In order to find Sabbath rest, the last letter in the Hebrew picture language looks like a cross. It's the Tav, And the the word Shabbat means return to the cross. Every time you're weary, every time you're poured out, you're confused, you're wondering what to do, the Bible's already told us what to do. The Sabbath means return to the cross. And Jesus says, return to your first love and I'll give you everything that you need. Amen? Would you bow with me? Lord, thank you for this beautiful new covenant. In Jesus Christ, Jesus, you are our Sabbath. This is not about a specific day to be argued about. This is more about a principle. This is about entering into your rest. And Lord, some of us need to redraw our boundaries. We need to find a rhythm, again, of heaven's ways and not miss the most important relationships around us, Lord. Sometimes we hide behind our work or other things because relationships are hard. But even when you have given us this time, I think it's even to resolve conflicts and deal with stuff that we might avoid had we not had a a time to gather. Thank you that you are all wise, Lord. You know exactly what we need. And I pray for every precious soul here that is reaching out to you in prayer right now that you just meet them and bring healing and refreshment. Times of refreshing would come from the Lord. Your heart bowed before the Lord. If you've not met him and you still carry the weight of your sin, Jesus wants to take that from you. But you've got to believe. You've got to turn and return to that covenant in his blood. It's something like this. If it's you... Ask him in. It's something like this. Pray it out loud. Jesus, save me. I believe you died on the cross for me and I believe that you rose from the dead and I want to enter into your rest. I'm going to take you at your promise and come to you with all my burdens and struggles 
and my sin. Thank you that you died to pay that ransom price. Maybe you're a person who's been far away and you've been feeling the effects of not walking with Jesus closely. Revelation 3.20 was for you to open the door afresh to your Savior and your Lord. He'll meet you right where you are. Father, for the rest of this precious congregation, may you minister to their every need. May we find rest for our souls in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do you do after you get saved? What do you do after you pray a prayer of receiving Jesus Christ into your life? Well, there are really four things that you should do now that you've become a Christian. You've done the most important thing by opening your life to Christ, repenting of your sin and trusting in Jesus. But now you need to grow in your most holy faith. You need to find a place to grow. You need to be discipled because now you can expect some spiritual attacks from the enemy. And now you can expect that, you know, there's going to be a lot of areas in which you're going to need to experience growth and knowledge and help. And so the local church becomes a very important place for you to connect. And your growth is going to be dependent, at least in part, on the church that you choose. So let's start with the church. You need to find a healthy Bible teaching church. Try to find a church that teaches through the Bible in an expository fashion. What that means is they take chapters of the Bible and go through and explain the verses, not just simply 20-minute messages that are not grounded in the text. Look for a place that teaches verse by verse and teaches the, the Bible with some depth, explaining what passages mean. You need to connect to a good, healthy fellowship. The next thing is prayer. Prayer is a two-way communication with God, and we need to learn how to pray. That's going to take some time as well, but just praying and thanking God for the day. Praying with an open Bible is a good way to pray. Make sure your prayers are directed and informed by Scripture. So you have fellowship, you have prayer. Bible reading is very important. Think of the Bible as your spiritual food. There's an old saying, you are what you eat. And uh, we need the Bible to make us strong as Christians. It's our spiritual food. And just read a chapter a day. Pray before you read. Ask God to help you to get understanding. And then open your Bible and read it. And the last thing is share your faith with others. You have an immediate mission field as a new believer. You probably have a lot of unbelieving friends and family around you. Tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. And you can get help about how to share the gospel and use gospel tracts also from your local fellowship. If you need help finding a good, healthy Bible teaching church, hopefully we can help you with that. And so if you want to contact us through the website or call the church office, we'd love to give you some help in this new journey as a believer. Take it a day at a time and grow. Give yourself to fellowship, Bible reading, prayer, and sharing the gospel with others. And God will bless your life. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.